Revelation chapter 12. Look at verse 19 of chapter 11. I'll just read two verses, then we're going to look at some at the text here. The temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. And then a megasemion, a great sign, a very special sign. We have many signs in Revelation. But here is a great sign appeared in heaven. And it is like Revelation 12 and 11 are turning points in the book. A woman clothed with the sun. Now this is a vision. This is a vision. This is not a fantasy, C.S. Lewis wrote. This, although that represents truth, like the lion and the witch. But, but this is a vision that God, a picture vision, which God gave to the apostle about what's going to happen in the future and how the end will come down. And a great sign appeared in heaven. It was a woman. Now watch this language. Clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. I want us to look at the woman, the dragon, the archangel, and the man-child. <laughs> Sounds like something C.S. Lewis would have written, doesn't it? The woman, the dragon, the archangel, and the man-child. Now, because I have a little limited time here, let me draw this to a close quick, all right? Now, I want to give you the conclusion and then show you how I got there. The conclusion of the first part of Revelation 12 is this, and know it well. There is spiritual warfare going on constantly over the souls of men and the destiny of nations. Spiritual warfare is going on constantly. And the battle in heaven determines what shall happen on earth. And just as we saw last week that the worship of heaven is a reflection of what's going on on earth and worship on earth should be a reflection of what's going on in heaven, the worship of heaven. So it is even more true of spiritual warfare. When your marriage is about to break up, I promise you there is a corresponding battle going on in heaven for the soul of your family. When there is a battle between nations on this earth, there is a corresponding battle going on in heaven for the souls of nations. You can count on it. Now, I want you to understand spiritual warfare. I'm not one of these guys that sees the devil lurking behind every rock. And every make I mistake, I don't want to blame on the devil. Don't fall into that trap. But by the same token, don't fall into the trap of thinking that everything that is is what you see. Because what you see is not what is. <laughs> there is spiritual warfare going on in glory, and the battle in heaven has consequences on earth. As sure as every action has a reaction, there is a battle in heaven, and there's a reaction on earth. There's a war in heaven, and a reaction. And if you don't learn anything else, understand that spiritual warfare is very very real. And that is laid down for us here 
in the book of Revelation. For every action in glory, there is a reaction on earth. That's one of the reasons I believe in miracles. I can eat a pound of barbecue and gain three pounds. That's a miracle. Amen? Talk about, I mean, there's no problem to feed the 5,000. I can, I can turn one pound into, into three or four. Can you? I mean, how can three ounces of cheesecake with 98 fat grams put four pounds on you? That's a miracle. Folks, why do you have a problem believing in God? You see, there's, for your action, there is a reaction. And for the battle of heaven, there is always a reaction on earth. Now let's look at the four main elements here. We start with the ark, which opens up this passage. And it says, if God just opened up to John, the inner sanctum, the holy of all, the holy of holies, and said, here it is in heaven. And the throne of God in heaven is represented by the ark of the covenant, where justice and mercy both flow down from God as he begins now to give John a picture of how he's going to bind up Satan once and for all and end the events on this earth. This happens at the middle of the tribulation period, which is yet to come. It happens in the middle of this seven-year period with 1,260 days of wilderness for the nation Israel. But let's go to the woman. First, there is a woman, a radiant woman in the vision. She is clothed with a sun shining all over. She has the moon under her feet, symbolizing dominion, and on her head a garland of 12 stars, symbolizing 12, the, uh, the number of rule, 12 disciples in the church, 12 tribes in Israel. And uh, she was with child. Here is this great woman. Now, some say this is the Virgin Mary about to give birth to Jesus. You can imagine that there are some interpreters who see that. Some say this is the church that is giving birth to more of the church. Some say this is Israel, and she is giving birth to the Messiah. I like to believe that this, and after examining and reading all of the, the different views on it, I see this as the, the elective God in every age. First, Israel, then the Messianic community, out of which came the body of Christ. I think the woman represents the people of God. And yes, the child, the man-child, represents Christ and all that shall flow out of Christ. Let me explain to you one reason why I believe that. Hold your hand here and go back to Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, the Bible teaches us that as children of Abraham, and we are, as children of Abraham, we are seed, not one of several seeds. Look at verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. There it is. I believe that God is building a continuation. Out of Abraham came Abraham's family. Out of Abraham's family came the nation Israel. Out of the nation Israel came the, the Messiah, the Yeshua HaMashiach. Out of the Messiah comes the, Christ, the church. And out of the church in, in this period comes those that God wants to save. And then God goes back to working with Israel. And it's in the middle of that tribulation period as he's working with Israel that God shows this vision of the woman, his elect from every age giving birth in pain, in verse 2, she was with child and she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. 
And so here's the woman radiant, the elect of God, and you'll see how she relates to the dragon. Secondly, look at the dragon, verse 3 says, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, same word used for red, that describes the horse, the red horse. It means the murderous character of the dragon. Now, who is the dragon who has seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head? Look at verse 9. The scripture tells you that old dragon was cast out, that servant of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. So now we know who the dragon is. The dragon is the serpent in Genesis 3. The dragon is our adversary. He is the devil, and it is very clear his cruel, lying, deceptive, murderous nature is now going to be uh, terminated. And he has on his head, look at this, seven, he has seven heads, and he has ten horns, and seven diadems, seven the number of completeness. He has the diadems, the crowns of power. He is the prince of the power of this age. And he has ten horns, meaning the universality of his earth rule. He has been given temporary power over this world. He has usurped the power of this world, but God's bringing that to an end. I'll tell you what, if you don't believe that, you have a hard time understanding some things that are going on in this, are going on in this world. You know, when I think about this, this situation in Union, South Carolina, have you thought about that? How in the world, I know everybody here said, how in the world could a mother do that? How in the world could a mother do that? I'll tell you how. Folks, the devil is very real at work in this world. And remember, he is the, the, a liar and the father of all lies. Deception is his major tool, and he is a murderer. And so he's doing everything he can to deceive people. Now, I don't know what the motive for that was, but I grieve for those families. One writer speculated yesterday that her boyfriend said that he didn't want a ready-made family. And in order to have what she wanted, she had to do away with the children. That's not my business or yours, although we can imagine. But I want to tell you this. When things like that happen that you cannot understand, you can know that Satan is behind it. There's a battle going on there and that Satan is behind that because he is the prince of the power of the air in this age. But there is coming a day, and that's what this is about, when he will be cast out out of heaven will no longer have access to the presence of God. So the dragon is the devil. Now if you want to know more about Satan, go back to Ezekiel chapter 28. I can't go through all of this passage, but I'll tell you what, if you want to read the most comprehensive passage on the devil, I think that Ezekiel 28 is as comprehensive as it comes. In verse 12, it says, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. Now, the king of Tyre in apocalyptic literature, like Ezekiel's, represents all the forces and the power of evil in this world. And this is the lamentation in verse 12. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Look at the end of verse 13. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Imagine that. This 
this is Satan. He started out as the anointed cherub who covers. Verse 15, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So I cast you to the ground and I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. And Ezekiel's prophecy coincides precisely with the prophecy of John in the vision. Another sign, verse 3, appeared in heaven, and the great fiery red dragon. Verse 4, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven, the angels who fell with him, threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. Now, this is a parable of what actually is going to happen. Out of God's people will come the Christ child and then the church. And Satan stands there as the woman in John's vision is ready to give birth and he is ready to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bears a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, a clear reference to the work of the Messiah and his rule. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. This child and this vision covers all of the battle from the beginning of time to this point that John is seeing in Revelation in the middle of the tribulation period. While the man child was born and then he lived, he died and was buried and was ascended back to heaven, taken back up to God. I tell you, folks, Satan's doom was sealed the day Jesus made it to the cross. Satan's doom was sealed when Jesus was buried in the grave. And Satan's doom was sealed when Jesus rose from the grave. And Satan's doom was sealed when Christ ascended back to glory to assume his rightful place and lay claim as heir to what Satan has usurped on this earth, the power of the earth for man. And so that is the dragon. And that is his work. Notice what he does in verse 9. When he is described, it says that he deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast with him. Verse 10, the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, it is not news to you that Satan had access to God. Is that news to you? He went in the book of Job into the presence of God and accused Job. I think Satan has done everything he can. The battle has been going on. He did everything he could to keep Christ from dying and fulfilling God's plan. Cain slew Abel. I think that's spiritual warfare. When Cain slew Abel, Esau said, I will kill my brother. He wanted to destroy the seed through which the Christ child should come. Saul, hunting David, he wanted to eliminate the seed through which the Christ child should come. Look, when you read about Saul chasing David, you're not just reading about some pagan primitive of monarchy uh, several thousand years ago, which one king wanted to take the place of another. You're reading about a spiritual battle. God was going to work through David, and Saul, David, uh, Saul was being used by Satan to do everything he could to keep the Christ child from coming through the appointed line. That spiritual warfare has been going on. And we see it when Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, killed all the children so that he could have the throne. And then the Arabians killed all the children of Jehoram. 
And then Yehu killed, except Ahaziah. And then Yehu killed Ahaziah. And then after Ahaziah was killed, Jehoiada's wife, the high priest, the aunt, hid little Joash and saved Joash so that the seed could be preserved. When, when, uh, when, when uh, in the book of, of uh, Esther, they wanted to eliminate all of God's people, they're trying to kill the seed. Don't you understand? That's a physical manifestation of war and glory, which is depicted in this picture. The dragon wants to keep the man-child from accomplishing the purpose of God. He never wanted Christ to come to die. He did everything he could to keep Christ from dying. You've got to see that this is a cosmic proportion here. And man, it gives you a big picture. What's going on in the Ukraine and in Russia is not just political, it's spiritual warfare. What's going on in your family is not just personal, it's spiritual warfare. It's a manifestation of a battle going on in glory. Which is why the scripture goes on to say in verse 7 that war broke out in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That's a prophecy. There's coming a time, it can't be far, when the dragon that deceives, the dragon that lies, Satan which tells us sin is good, and righteousness is bad. Jeannie, you know a little bit about that battle. Jane does. Sin is good. Righteousness is bad. You, you mean Christians should not push your standards on the rest of us, my soul, if we don't, who will? That's a battle going on in this world. It's spiritual warfare. Do you understand that? You know, one of the things that Satan does in the presence of God as much as anything else, he loves to stand before God and say, Oh, God, you know Eddie Branscombe? He's a brother. Boy, he's a louse. God, I want to show you everything Eddie's ever done. Take a look at this, God. How in the world can you bless somebody like that? <laughs> How can you bless somebody? He's the accuser of the brethren. And while he's working in glory, let me tell you, when the devil covers you with chocolate-covered guilt and makes you feel like a nobody, and he condemns you, and he sends you an emotional guilt interceptor which just dominates your thinking and covers you with shame over your past, even when you've confessed it and been forgiven by the blood, that is a physical manifestation of an accusation going on in glory. Satan's accusing you, and while he's accusing you in heaven, there's a demon sent out to destroy you and discourage and depress you and make you remember every evil thing you've done and nullify the effect of the blood of Christ to cleanse you from guilt and shame. Do you understand? That's spiritual warfare. That's spiritual warfare. It's going on all the time. Well, so when you're covered with your past and feeling bad about it, it's not just because you had a headache, or it's not just because you ate seven pieces of shrimp last night covered with crab meat and dipped in butter. It's because there's battle going on in glory. And Satan is, is, is accusing you before God. And every time he accuses you before God, he sends out another emissary to depress and discourage you and make you feel guilty and remember your past. Remember what the blood of Jesus has already covered. One of the things as I study the Bible, and I've been after it for 45 years, and I don't, I don't pretend to have achieved yet, 
But I'm absolutely convinced, folks, that spiritual warfare when you, is this. There's a battle in heaven, and it manifests itself in my life in most every way. And the things I face are the reaction to the warfare over me and over you going on in glory. So the old dragon, verse 9, was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, here's Michael's battle. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the phrase of our God modifies all three. The salvation of our God, the strength of our God, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And the Bible says Satan was before God accusing us, absolutely accusing us day and night. But Michael has won the battle. And how was the battle won? Verse 11. They overcame him three ways. By the blood of the Lamb, the faithful blood, by the word of their testimony, their faithful testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Their faithful commitment. And the battle is always won in those three ways. You win every spiritual warfare when you fight the battle here on earth the same way it's fought in heaven. And here's the way you do it. It is by the blood of the Lamb. Just as Israel cleaned the blood over their homes so that the death angel passing through would not judge them. So, folks, claim again the blood of Christ on your children for God's protection. This is why you do it. Even in heaven, the battle, the spiritual war between Michael and the dragon was won by the blood of the Lamb. It was won by what happened at the cross, which signifies a victory signed, sealed, and delivered. Secondly, by the word of their testimony, by a faithful testimony. We overcome Satan in our lives by a faithful testimony. He will do everything he can, Lori, to destroy your testimony. Anything he can do, he would do it to destroy your testimony. And what makes Satan angry is when you have a faithful testimony in the middle of his onslaughts. When you are standing faithful in spite of what everybody does. Janet, that's the way you have victory. A faithful testimony. Man, as a Christian artist, sometimes it's not always easy, is it? You got everybody telling you how to do and what to do and what kind of songs to sing and what to do with your life and what not to do with your life. But listen, folks, we need to talk about that and keep talking about that. Every one of us has a testimony. And it is a faithful testimony for Christ that overcomes spiritual, the spiritual warfare of Satan. And the final thing, they did not love their life to the death. This is a testimony to what, what was the attitude of the angels in heaven who represented what the battles on earth. It's the men and women on earth who dare to stand up for righteousness and holiness who do not love life more than they love God. There are some things more important than life. Did you know that? The old argument, I would rather be red than dead. The Christian would rather be dead than deceived by Satan in spiritual warfare and led astray. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And what is the result? Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has just a short time. <laughs> The devil, the closer he gets to the time, fights knowing his doom is sealed. 
I love fried chicken. You like fried chicken? Boy, I like fried chicken. The other day, I was out of town and nobody I knew would see me. And I just, I drove by a Hardee's with that big delicious fried chicken up there and I just had to stop. I said, what's the least fried chicken you could sell me? She said, well, I can sell you one piece if you want. I said, how much? $1.39 for a thigh? I said, nah. Sin isn't worth $1.39, amen? <laughs> Not worth $1.39. Well, she said, I got this special two pieces and a biscuit for $1.99. I said, I'll take that one. <laughs> Man, I woofed that down. I just had to. I just had a hankering for it. I'd eaten vegetables for a couple of days, and I just, I just had all the vegetables I could take right then. <laughs> so I swallowed down two of my cholesterol medicine. <laughs> but it reminded me of how my grand granddad used to do. Some of you remember. Have you ever watched? Grandma would put on a hot boiling pot of water. Granddad take the axe. I'm not going to describe this for you. Don't worry. You know what he did with that axe? When that chicken knew his time was sealed, he would flop and kick and she would, she would usually. Well, we had rooster sometime too. She would flop and kick because she knew her doom was sealed. She was going on the chopping block. And then that chicken would go in the pot and it boiled. And then you pick out all those feathers one at a time. And the smell was terrible. What a price to pay for fried chicken. But it was delicious. Satan knows that his end is sealed. And the closer he gets to it, the more trouble he makes, which is why in verse 12, the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows what, class? There it is. He knows what? He has a short time. He is on a short leash. It's all going to end soon. Now, I want to give you four things to show you what's revealed by spiritual warfare. First, always understand this. Evil is cosmic by nature. It is universal. And the sin of this world is a reflection of a great battle going on. And prophecy is about how God is going to win that battle once and for all. Evil is cosmic in its nature. Secondly, always remember this. Events on earth are decided by warfare in heaven. Events on earth are, to a large degree, the end is decided by warfare in heaven. God's eternal purposes are going to be carried out. Third, all who meet evil on this earth are assured absolutely it is defeated by the blood of the Lamb. We can know absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt that evil is done and the day is sealed. But the fourth thing is this. Knowing that this battle is done never excuses us from our responsibility, whether it's raising children, whether it's getting out the gospel, whether it's running for public office as a Christian. Our responsibility continues at the same time the enemy's defeat is guaranteed. That's very important for us to know. Well, the, you say, what difference does it make then? Well, I'll tell you what. If I'm sick and I don't know what's wrong with me, I can imagine all kinds of things, but once the doctor helps me to understand what my problem is, I can face it if I know who the enemy is and what the enemy is. Amen? Do you understand that? And when we understand 
the battle of, of, spiritual, versus, uh, of spiritual righteousness versus evil between Michael the archangel and the dragon, if we understand that, then we understand what's going on in this world. We understand the nations are fighting. We understand the personal conflict. That is why it seems like there's trial and conflict comes to families in bunches. That's why it seems like it just comes on you all at once. Many of you have experienced that and you say, why? Why would God allow that? God only allows that for a time so that he might use that to build you and to strengthen your faith and to accomplish on this earth his will of getting out his message so that the whole world can be saved. That's why he allows it. He's a moral God and he gives men moral choice. And he's developing moral character in us after the image of Christ. And that's why Satan is loosed. That's why there's a battle in heaven. That's why that battle in heaven is reflected on earth. It's reflected in things going on in this church. It's reflected in things going on in the choir. It's reflected in things going on in your marriage. It's reflected in a rebellious child. It's reflected in financial difficulty. It's reflected in everything Satan does on this earth to hinder the eternal purposes of God through Jesus and through the church. And that's what a difference it makes. And that's why God's left us here shed a little light in the middle of a dark world until Satan's tail is dragged down and he's cast out of heaven and put into hell forever. You know, I've been to Europe and I've seen all those representations of the devil, the king of hell. I want to tell you the devil is not the king of hell. In hell, the devil is a, is a conquered victim. He is a conquered victim. God rules hell. And hell was created for the devil and his angels, for the dragon. And he's cast out of heaven and cast down to eternal judgment that has been prepared for him. So that's our victory. And until then, our purpose is to shine light in this world, understanding that we're part of something very, very much larger than just us. The whole world doesn't revolve around me, and it doesn't revolve around this church. It is a reflection of the war going on in glory, which God will ultimately end and terminate and cast the dragon out and put him into the chains of hell forever. On September 9th of this year, 25 Brazilians in the state of Acre were traveling on a flatbed truck through a jungle road with an open can or barrel of fuel on the back of the truck. As they were driving down the jungle, they came to a jungle fire. A heavy wind blew the fire across the road. A spark landed in the barrel and ignited the barrel and it exploded and 25 people were horribly burned, taken to a little town of 22,000 called Brasileia. But there was no medical facility to handle the burns. They said that there were some victims who would not make it till the morning. But there was no lighted airfield for any missionary pilot to get in to bring out the victims. But missionary Warren Rose, flying a plane bought with your Lottie Moon money that you gave, 
five years ago. The missionary said, I want to try it. The government said, you cannot go into that village. There's only an open landing strip. There are no lights. It's dark. There are heavy winds. You can't do it. He said, I'm going. It took him three hours to get permission. And so he flew to that city in order to start flying out in a little piper and a single-engine plane. And as he flew over the field, he realized there were towers nearby. He would have to avoid those. He'd have to sit down on the field. He didn't know if there was a 500-pound pig in the middle of that runway. I've been in missionary situations like that where we had to fly over the field in order to scare the cows off so we could land. But it was night. It was dark. The victims were suffering. Missionary Warren Rose flew around the field one time and then decided he'd go ahead and make his landing. He had to get, there were at least three of those who, whom he had to get out. And when he came down towards that field, and just as he touched, as he was coming down on the field, he realized that the people of the town had brought every vehicle they could find and had lined the runway with their cars and trucks and portable lights. And here was this melange of light up and down the runway. And he landed. And he took three out to a hospital an hour away. And then he came back. And all night long he flew in and out of that unlighted field. And every time he came back, the people of the community had stayed up all night saving their batteries and turning on those lights so that in the middle of the darkness he could find his way with two strings of temporary lights. I want to tell you folks, until the day I die, until Jesus or Jesus comes, and I want to challenge you to get out there beside that airfield and let your light shine because the victory is won. We got victims. There's a lot of hurting in our world as a result of the battle of Satan. But your task and mine is to get our light, whatever it is, and get it out there by that field and get the gospel, get the light of the truth of God to this lost world so that in the midst of this darkness there could be some kind of hope. But his doom is sealed. His doom is sealed. Amen and amen. Let's stand in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank and praise you for the truth of the gospel. Lord, if there's anybody here who's been deceived by Satan into thinking that you can't save him, his sin is too great, speak to that person. If there's anyone here who's thinking that you can't keep them saved, that their past is too wretched, show them your great power. Who shall lay any charge to God's elect, as Janet sang? And as the scripture says, the accuser of the brethren shall be cast down. Our victory is safe in the blood of the Lord Jesus. Lord, help those of us who are frustrated with a conflict going on in our lives to see the reality and the truth. Satan's doom is sealed. And through Christ, we have victory. In Jesus' name. Amen.